Welcome to the Unearthed Man Podcast, the journey of becoming a conscious man, hosted by Milva. Hey all, Milva here, and welcome to episode 51 of the Unearthed Man Podcast. To kick off, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands in which we work and gather, and their continuing connection to land and waters. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. I pay tribute to the diversity of First Nations peoples of Australia and their ongoing culture. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, then certainly welcome aboard. If you're one of my regular listeners, then welcome back. I really appreciate your ongoing support. If you're looking to know more about The Unearthed Man, then you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and at theunearthedman.com. If you also feel called, it'd be great if you can subscribe to the podcast via your preferred app and also leave a review. I know a lot of you enjoy the show, and therefore, if you could give five give back five minutes to leave a review, that would be gratefully appreciated. Now, I was first introduced to my guest via the Sacred Sons podcast and have been actively following him ever since. On that podcast, he spoke into how he was given his spiritual name, if you will. Given I had just started my spiritual journey, this was a true eye-opener for me. He is here to live, love, and contribute as much as spirit allows and to be of service to this planet and all who pass through it. Pure love and integrity is his truth and represents the ways in which he navigates this experience. He has taken on a life of inner standing, be it mind, body, and soul. He is here to be a strong father and root for La Forza Sagrada, a calling in of a strategic stance to end all trauma to women and children and for all of humanity to start the shifts to be able to live in an aligned way to truly bring bring safety to our civilization. We are here to unite once and for all to end all wars with self, other self, and the world herself, while creating heaven on earth for all our ancestors, our living relatives, and all our children's children's children. We can accomplish this, and this energy is growing fast and with much depth. Let the roots grow. Spirit calls him to facilitate safe, sacred ceremonial space for deep healing, learning, and exploration. Soul quests in nature, as well as facilitating facilitators, on their path and offering initiations for men, women, others, families, and young adults and animals, along with many other hats he wears depending on what pure medicine is called for. He's learned to to combine his actual lived experience, nature, our psychic abilities, old shamanism, and the wisdom of the sacred plant and animal consciousness to be a reliable guide. Thank you, Great Spirit, for showing us what pure love, freedom, safety, and truth can actually be while we adventure through this reality. He dedicates large amounts of the year living and learning with nature to give him the opportunity to continue a life of listening and deep, pure, innocent, unattached connections. As he states, if you're listening to this and something lights you up, our time around the sacred fire is near. He fully trusts and will honor our soul's contract. You are safe, loved, and supported. He has many names, however, most refer to him as Reverend Bearheart. Welcome to the Unearthed Man podcast, Frank Sebastian Bearheart Saputo. Hey, Bearheart. How are you, brother? Thank you. I'm very, very well. Thank you so much for for that that intro, and congratulations on this being your 51st podcast episode. Yeah, that shows dedication and consistency. And it shows the willingness to really follow through with what you have a passion for. I, I see that and give, give big thanks to that, brother. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. It's, um, it's something I've really, truly enjoyed. Uh, I think in, in the conversation we had leading up into this, you know, the, the one thing that 
you know, we often look to what fills our cup and I get to have, you know, as part of this, a conversation with, you know, the most beautiful of men, um, you know, once a week. And it's just, uh, I just really enjoy sharing that, sharing that experience and the energy that, that, you know, all the men are bringing. Um, and, you know, in my, in, where I'm at now in, in really tapping into, you know, the universal consciousness, uh, as many of us could be, you know, bringing the positive, um, safe, uh, conscious level to, to the world. It's actually just helping, you know, everybody rise up. And if, if doing the podcast is the little thing that I can do to help that, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be of absolute service. So thank you. So, um, what I want to, uh, let's, let's chat about. So I connected with you, uh, as I said, through after the sacred sons podcast, but uh, you actually put out a bit of a message saying, Hey, you know, um, I would like, to, to be able to actually talk more into myself, my story, some of the challenges that that, that I've been through to, to get to where we are. And, and I know that, you know, we could talk for quite a while, but uh, one, of the, one of the aspects of the podcast is for men to be able to talk through, you know, what life looked like for them, you know, what was their journey, what they started on and, um, you know, how did they become, you know, these connected people, how do they become tapped into consciousness and, and tapped into nature. So, do you want to take us on a bit of a, uh, a walk through your journey um, and and how and probably yeah how you ended up you know um, to the point of being Reverend Bart? Thank you, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, there's there. It's often I often get people saying, Bert, you understand." you know, and all the crazy navigation in life and the different traumas and so on. And, and I, I just get a big smile on my face. And I said, my brother and my sister, like, I'm with you. And, and no, this, this, this version has not always been like this in, a, in almost a continual state of joy and a continual state of calm and um, clear-eyed, clear-headed with a clear, honest voice. It took me truly like perfecting the shadows of life to understand why the light is so important and to understand that this is an opportunity for us as we're writing this book of life to not only remember that we are the author to this book, but that the, the other chapters aren't there to get stuck in. They're there to go back to just in case some of the same reoccurring patterns happen that don't no longer serve us. And so we can see into different parts of our life, which I'm more than willing to, and to be able to pull some of those nuggets and hopefully be able to share that with people. And it's not to say that I have it all figured out. That's not my intention. My intention isn't here to figure anything out. My intention here is to feel more and to be able to be authentically expressive about it, especially if I feel that it will help other people. So part of my life um, and what's brought me to the now current bear heart and being a reverend and being of service to others is, you know, there was a lot of trauma when I was a young boy. I was being raised by a very sensitive, you know, I was raised by my mother and was on with my father during the weekends. They had two completely different parenting styles. And when I was with my father, 
the parenting style was like to train your boys. And in training for him, you know, he lived a life where some of the major things that happened to him um, was getting involved in different organ, different criminal organizations and um, going to prison. And so those were some of his life lessons. And what happened was, is that it stirred something inside of him to come back home and to feel like he needed to teach me, he needed to teach his boys a way of living in this life and to try to give it some type of honor-based understanding. However, in doing so, you know, essentially I was being raised to be a child soldier. I was being raised to know how to perform within gangs. I was being raised to understand what was going to happen in prison and how I was going to work through it through prison. I was understanding what was going to be happening in war and what was going to be happening in hand-to-hand combat with weapons. So I was being trained for that. That training started at five years old. And so then you fast forward in life and I'm more than willing to go through any parts of life uh, that, that we would feel would help. But you go through life with an understanding of war is going to happen, gangs are going to happen, prison is going to happen. And so this is a specific way to live. And the code that my father gave was no women, no children, and no innocence. Meaning that if you were not innocent and a male for doing something that took away from the innocence of life, very much as in, in more of like a vigilante understanding, then you were more, well and more within your right to be able to step in. There was some shadow, there was shadow to it. And there was literal torture to it. And there was a lot of teachings that I only actually started to see how harmful they were in my system once I was able to have a child and to see how innocent a child is and to see how um, porous they are. They'll soak in anything the majority of the time just to be a little good boy or a good girl. And that really has to do with who our figures are and our role models and the ones that are an example of that. So not to say that my father, I mean, my father was a beautiful man. He was a sensitive man. He was an artist. He was a sculptor. He was an intellect. He was a craftsman. Um, every woman wanted to be with him. Every man wanted to be like him, but he had his own shadows. He didn't understand and have the, had, have the, the support to be able to go deeper within some of those traumas that have happened in life. And so he did what so many of us do and isolate and drug ourselves and distract ourselves, But he put a lot of time and effort into training his boys into how to be protectors, especially of women and children, and especially of anyone that is a predator and is trying to go after innocence or trying to manipulate innocence. That led me perfectly into gangs because that there is almost, that's all that's around. And so from my perspective, I was just training and doing the best until prison. And so in understanding that, um, like when people say you're so kind, you're so forgiving, you're so gentle, 
that only my blood family would have told me that any any and, and the people that were very close to me but there have also been many that i have harmed and um i have utilized the training that i had and number one everyone gets a chance to heal mm-hmm. can't take anything back of anything that i've done in life i can learn from it i could feel it again i could be willing to feel it all I could be willing to make amends moving forward though is the action steps to 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 dedicate so when people say bearheart you are a reverend and you're in service to people's healing just about 24 hours out of the day and um into learning and into exploration of what all this is and, and into truly being a very passive person the only reason the only way i can do that is because of what i've lived in prior life the only way i know how is when i ask spirit how do i allow my community to trust me more if i'm not going to recluse if I'm not going to lone wolf it, and if I'm actually going to be put into society, spirit says, then you have to be a hundred percent open and a hundred percent honest of all the lessons that have come through because you have reprogrammed yourself in many, many ways and still moving forward. But in those ways, those will also touch other people that maybe didn't hurt others, but maybe hurt themselves. And so how we can learn from all of this, to understand that it was all worth it, to understand how to take accountability and hold oneself accountable. And if we are going to continue in, in relating to others in deep ways, then we get to ask for that in return. And so that way, those different patterns that may have happened in prior life, it'll make it very easy for us to know if those patterns are starting to come back instead of continuing to move forward in a healthy, aligned way. And so with all of that being said, how did I come to being Reverend Bearheart? I lived a life that some would say I was a monster. And I really switched my life when I got to admit how much inside of me was truly a monster. And not uh, to put myself down, just to be really really real and how I was living backwards, right? And so live, L-I-V-E, when you reverse it, it's E-V-I-L. That is the definition of evil. And so I was living in a backwards way and it took me the opportunity and the honor to be able to say no more. And now we're going back towards living forward. And that's what I've been in continuation of an inquiry of how to do uh, in the most alignment. Uh, so th- thanks for that. There, there's a few things that, uh, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to sort of maybe, you know, backtrack on a, a little bit there, but, but to, to talk to, to the journey that um, I, I really appreciate that. Um, there was a couple of aspects in there that I just felt directly when you're talking, when, when you, you did talk into, you know, how others would say that you're kind and, and, and that you're loving everything else. Um, I actually felt that 
that even in in that conversation for you there was um there was certainly emotion coming up with that and there was certainly still some maybe some pain in behind that in the fact of as you said that was probably how others saw you from family or others see you now but not basically not knowing maybe you know who you were or, or what had taken place back in, in, in the past and, and and as you said talking into the shadows or talking into the, the the evil elements of the lives that we've had before we got to this point um there is still probably some aspects of that which is you know reflecting back on that that shadow aspect or those parts of our lives that we've probably forgiven ourselves for or you might have forgiven yourself for but you know there are still some elements that you know i felt that maybe there that, that you're still working through but to, just to take a step back you you touched on you know with you and your kids and, and you growing up and, and this conditioning that the children have um being porous ultimately children will do what they in my view will, will do what they believe their parents will make make their parents proud of them and make their parents feel happy. So, mm-hmm. you know, if their parents want them to be protectors and therefore show that they're being a vigilante or show that they're actually standing up for, you know, the innocent or those who can't stand up for themselves, if that's how they get the validation or the recognition, then that's where children will go to. And I think that what a lot of people don't understand is when they go, but how could that person end up being so violent or how could that person end up living that sort of lifestyle? It's like, well, take a step back, that person was just trying to seek, get love and validation from their parent who had basically said, this is how you go about giving me love and, and validation. So when you said this started, your training start at the age of five, I mean, what does that look like? Because formative years, I mean, we're talking, you know, is it five through to 15? I mean, they're really critical years in, in a young person's life. And here you are as a, as a young boy with a dad seeking just pure love and validation, but being porous. So can you talk back into a little bit about what that actually truly looked like for you and, and what was that seeking of love and validation that took place with you back at that age? Sure. Thank you for that question. Yeah, my the my I would say my original father wound was um, hearing the stories of my father essentially continuing to have children just to have his son. And so once he had his son, he left my mother. And and raised another family a few miles away. So that was my core wound. Was mm. I wasn't good enough for daddy. And all I want to do is make dad proud. So now as I'm, it's, you know, when I was, I believe, four years old, that's when he went to prison. Uh, he didn't do very long, uh, very much time. I think it was 18 months. But within that amount of time, you know, now I'm five years old and he comes home. Something seemed like something seemed and it always felt that way as though like something happened to him when he was in prison that he wasn't willing to talk about. And instead of saying how horrible prison was, he glorified it and glorified it to the point of where you're not going to be a real man unless you go through that and unless you go through it with your head up. And, and so that was like the base. So when it came to five years old, that was where pain started. That was where making sure that you weren't going to be spooked due to loud noises uh, and, and heavy energy. And what I mean by pain is like, I would say pain was always 
it was it was something that he implemented very early on. And like this wasn't a man that disciplined much. His rule was is if you disrespect me or if you touch my tools, I will beat you down. Other than that, you're a man at five years old. You take care of yourself. And if you want to come around me, then these are the specific things that you need to do. And for my father, it was training. It wasn't just like snuggle time on the couch and read me a book before bed. No, my dad was, he was literally cooking meth in the garage and I needed to do something to be able to like be worthy of his time. And so he was a martial artist. He was many different, he wore many different hats. So in that, it didn't matter what it was. It was dad, I'm ready for the test. It was a constant set of tests. So in that testing, there was burning with cigarettes or with like a, a, a flames and just put out match. There was burning of wax, like hot wax that he would pour on our bodies because it wasn't just me. It was my brother. And at times it was my cousin as well. And so he was creating essentially like if you looked at us as little dogs, he was creating little attack dogs and he was desensitizing us, which is what you would typically be doing in martial arts. You would typically be doing that in any type of society that is growing an army. But because we're not necessarily in a society where it happens at that age, it's it's it, it was it was like, I, again, it's just up until nine years ago that I actually got even the slightest glimpse of like, no, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. And I wouldn't have known that until I actually had a young and to say there's no way that I would ever inflict that, that much pain on this little child that can't say yes or can't say no. Because it, it was either like, this is what happens, or you don't spend the time around me. And so my brother was very soft. My brother just, uh, likewise, he just wanted to be able to fit in as well. We were, we were six weeks apart. And he was a little bit more on the soft side where the tests and the different types of, um, yeah, the training was hard on him. And, and my spirit went triple time. So if there was anything that my brother didn't want to endure, I endured triple of it just to be able to say, dad, I'm here. I want you to love me. We don't live together, but when I'm here, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be around you as much as possible. And I wouldn't have cared if that was to literally watch him uh, cook some, some cereal or to fix his car. Like he was my idol. So of course, if dad says, well, this is what's going to be happening in life. This is what's going to be happening in the world. It already is. You will have to protect. You will have to do these things. And we need to make sure that if any predators come around, that you know exactly what to do. And not only know exactly what to do, but you know how to do it from a perspective that they wouldn't even be ready for. And so he was training a unit. Hmm. So from five years old, you know, and then, but see, this is the thing. Like once I was in my teens, I had my own organizations that I was training and that I was putting under pain and that I was putting them through the same process because literally whatever my father taught me, it worked. He literally, he only taught me, and this is why I'm so thankful, but at the same time, I have to be very, very real with being a father. And that's not what we do to our children, what we're going to be doing, and then have the child's understanding that they want to be in on it as well. I could see that I could see the important values of it, but because there was a twist of my father living a life 
very much out of integrity, very much not with honor. Um, it was done so, and not so much just to be the protector, but it, it was like, and you live in a society that is not going to understand that. So you will go to prison. Mm. So when you go to prison, it's looked at more as, as a, uh, a prisoner of war. You know, if, if yeah. you didn't, if you didn't do anything, but you're there to come to somebody's aid, then you go a thousand percent. If it's happening to our family, then you use our training a thousand percent. And so as I had other things happen in life, that family was my blood family. And then that was other gang family. And that was prison family. So I've truly only always shown up the way I always do. Like who I am, who I am as my, this one being has wanted to do the right thing and just looks to my leaders to how to do it properly and to how to get the validation and the accolades and the data boys and everything. But I know how I'm not the only one that was programmed in different ways. And I know that by being one, that my job was to discipline others that did wrong by society did wrong by the rules. I got to see how that, that, that was no heart. Like I may have considered it and justified it as love for the ones that I loved. But when I'm willing to hurt another without giving them an opportunity to heal, without giving them an opportunity to learn, without giving them an opportunity to explore their own life and their own programming and their own traumas and their own fears of life and their own guilt and shame and blame, all I did was make that worse. Yeah. And so, but that takes maturity. You know, it actually takes a perspective of not just being the one who can validate everything that's happened, but the observer who sees the higher perspective mm -hmm. that can now see life is all life. My life is just as precious as all life. Yep. And the reason why I am so passionate about that is because I have been one that was not afraid nor um, worried about harming others that I felt were and deserving of being harmed. Mm. If it wasn't I was going to prison, it was I was going into the military. And I was trained to be a marksman and uh, long range and short range rifles uh, and handguns. Like, so there's on basically all sides of my family, what some may think of, oh, that's just a, a great Boy Scout. Or, okay, yeah, we're actually programming him because he is going to go into the military. I just went through boot camp at five years old. Mm. But because the formative years, it was so ingrained that this is what we do and this is what you look out for. At that point, that's what turned me into a predator. And as being a predator, and predator could be like the definition of predator from what I understand is, is, when, is when one forces their energy on another without consent. That's what I was becoming. That's what I was being trained to become. And although it could be done with a code and it could be done with, you know, that a boys, like I said, and, and, um, and validation that it's the right thing because they were bad people. I got to get real with that. I got to get real with myself. I got to get real with the almighty. I got to get real and, 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 and truly dive into that much deeper. Yeah. Um, 
So, so on some of the, those points, uh, there's a couple of things that, uh, again, just popped in into me as you talk through there. First thing is, you know, around initiation of boys to men and, you know, what is a a healthy rites of passage from a boy to men versus maybe an unhealthy. Um, I, I try to avoid the, the word toxic. I, I think that's just overrated and overused now. So I prefer to use healthy and unhealthy. So, so that's one aspect. Um, that, that sort of definitely came into mind about what that looked like. And, and the other aspect that, um, and I think there's a lot of stuff happening with it today, uh, even with, with everything that's going around the globe today, is um, we, we, that vigilante of I'm here to save the world. Actually, um, and, and the ego driving that, ultimately you are no different to the person that you're actually harming. You are a harmer and you are the same. So, so, the justification about no, no, I have all rights to be higher and and, and, a, and a higher and mighty and a more higher spirit. <clears throat> uh, pardon me, is actually what people can't see is that you are just coming from exactly the same level, and you're actually sitting at the same level. You are doing the same. You know, um, in our current society now, is that those who want to see someone harmed from not taking medicine versus those who want to see someone harmed from taking the medicine, you are both coming from the same angle. You still want to see someone harmed. So you are no better or no more righteous than anything else. And I think that's where as a society, we've got to start to, to learn to understand that. So um, for me, what I look at you is that you in your, and as you said, you then went on to train some other people is it feels like you've gone, I know the way to become a man because that's how I've trained to become a man from the age of five. And I'm going to constantly say, here is how I've learned what being a man is. And a man is a vigilante. A man is a predator. A man is um, this. Um, I like Trevor Bohm. I'm pretty sure you're across Trevor. You know, Trevor talks about a man should be dangerous, but not of danger. And, And I really love that thing as well. We should be able to protect, like, protect from a place of love and, and know that we're doing protection from the right angle, not from, you know, you're harming me. So I'm just going to replicate the harm because it's, it's that whole two negatives don't make a positive. So is that how you felt as well? That there was this, is this now what you're seeing now that you've got your kids and you're seeing, because that sounds like the point for you when all of a sudden you had your kids and you realize, Oh my God, I could not do this to my children. What actually took place to me is that really when that major reflection activities really kicked in for you about, you know, how a child can be a child and therefore what does that, you know, what does that passage into being a woman or being in a man looks like from, from a healthy perspective and from a point of love and compassion as opposed to maybe from, from fear and feeling that the whole world is a threat because it feels like that's what your dad trained into you, that everything out there is a threat and everything is going to harm you and do hurt to you. So be prepared at all situations, which is a really tough position to live in. Yeah. And, and that's, and I, I believe that was his deepest intention of it all. And there's valuable things to that. Hmm. Like I said, the, the initiations and the rites of passage from boyhood into adolescence, adolescence into manhood, manhood into you know, father and grandfather and so on and so forth to the warrior role as well. And there, you know, what I've taken from it is nothing is for not. Nothing is for not. It's the intention we put before it. 
so now in life, I, I witness men, women, children go through rites of passage. I set up whole rites of passage ways and, and it's with an intention of there is importance in being able to be self-reliant. There is a deep importance of understanding how capable we could become. But it's not because we have the saber-toothed tiger chasing us. And it's not because we're going to save the world. It's because as individuals going through this life experience, some things will just make it easier on us. So we can show up in a more aligned way for our family. And that way, instead of having to protect the women and children so much, because that is also very real, it's more so to be an example of how if we live in a aligned way, we won't have to. And to truly be an example of that outward and to create the space for that. And so that way, instead of having to be a vigilante, we simply, yeah, we show up more. And we don't pass, we don't pass the buck. Right, we show up more for self, show up more for family, show up more for our community, show up more for the world at large. As we do that, that will be a new, healthy perspective and example for the rest of the young that are coming up in adolescent and early manhood. Right, If we're going to be the uncles and the grandfathers, the only way that we'll be able to teach is from our own life experience, not just saying, do this, don't do that, do this. Don't do that. My father never gave his own life example unless it was how to reinforce what he was telling me was true. But he never gave me the actual nuggets of what was the reason why he did all that to start off with. What was the, the traumas to start off with? What was the, you know, the key points in life that derailed the alignment, the joy, the passion for life? being able just to sit down and breathe in the fresh oxygen and have a smile on your face, knowing that everything is working perfectly for us. And so an understanding for myself that nothing is for naught and that there was and always has been something very special to all of that. I changed the intention. And that intention at this point in life is the purest that I could ever imagine. So as we navigate some of these times that are already here and that are going to continue to come. We're looking at it as a point of, if we're going to be like, I look at things in an animalistic way because I I've owned now a professional dog training company for 15 years. I trained over 10,000 dogs and many wolves. So how do we show up more together? Again, if we're not going to lone wolf it and if we're going to be in community, we get to know what everyone's capable of. And however everyone can show up in their highest bit of capability, then we'll understand how to move together. And when we do that, we get to be more intimate with each other. And when we do that, we'll feel more safe. We'll feel more free to be in our truth and to actually feel love. So, so on that on that on that point, um, because so, yeah, so some people who are listening to this, you know, when we talk about you know show up, um, you know that that's a concept that you know I think you know 
for, for some of us who've now spent time, you know, actually willing to look back at the shallow shadows or look look back at, you know, why, you know, why we still get frustrated or why anger still comes up or, and which part of this back in our childhood or back previously we haven't actually done. Um, so, so what does that then, you know, look like in relation to you from that aspect in relation to, you know, um, helping people understand, you know, to become their true selves or talk about how they can actually be, I suppose, somewhat comfortable looking back and, and, um, to, to look at that, what, what they may be carrying is a shame or a guilt or something that they haven't forgiven themselves for or haven't forgiven someone else for that is now, you know, constantly showing back up. What, what does that look like for you? Um, I, I do want to actually touch on also the dog training thing because there was a secondary question which would be about, you know, how much of the, how much of the dog training actually took in train the human versus the actual animal because <laughs> I'm interested in that aspect too. But, but yeah, let, let's talk on the showing up. Like what does that actually look like? So for you and your, when you're dealing, you know, both with yourself and with others around you, you know, what does that look like on a more practical sense? On the most practical sense, it's just listening. And, and I say just listening because it, it may not seem so hard but it is the most just thing that we can do for somebody that is wanting to be able to express, to listen deeply. And in that deep listening, we'll be able to feel more. And then I'll be able to feel in whatever it is that's going through them and be able to touch it and associate it with something that's also happened in me. And so that way it gives me an opportunity and spaces where people feel a little bit more welcome and open to be expressive. They feel like you're actually listening and feeling them. And then I, I come with usually a very sincere ask of if any type of reflection or if any type of feedback um, would be accepted. Other than that, like, you know, people can go through different types of men's work and they can do all the work and they can get psychology degrees and they could act like they know it all. But when it really comes down to it in life, like what, why do we get mad still? And why do we get enraged? And why does we go into shame and blame and guilt and depression and so on and so forth? It's because it's, it's not after the fact, it's not in some, some class where we're learning about this, that it's going to matter. It's in the moment when sensation is at its most height. Because that's when our faculties usually shut down and we forget all the darn tools. And the tools are simple tools. The tools aren't even tools that you, you have to spend a lot of money on to go to classes on, so on and so forth. Let's just get back to the basic, simple understandings. When sensations get high in, emo in emotions, which emotion is just energy wanting to be in motion, emotion, and we are taught to hold down and to restrict that flow, there becomes some type of a struggle. So before the struggle is usually when we could take that moment and just take a deep breath. We could step aside and go not only just be within the, the, the one who's having the emotional experience, but also the witness who can step aside and look in. Taking a deep breath gives us an opportunity to come into our center. But when we're in a heightened state of emotion, 
as simple as it seems to take a nice deep breath and have the true sovereignty to know that I choose how I move forward from this deep breath, that seems to fall offline. And so it's not me actually teaching anybody anything. And that's what most people always reflect. Bearheart doesn't teach you anything. I will be an example of what that looks like when I take my own breath. I will be an example of what that looks like when there's something that may want to be shared. And instead of just projecting that onto somebody, I ask them if they're open for it. Mm -hmm. Open and willing. Very consensual. Just like I would with anyone else and any other type of species. Might as well do it with the humans as well. But the thing is, it's because there was so much in life I didn't care. I didn't care about what other people were going through. I would have been the first one to say, grow up. That's life. But that also, like, that doesn't, you said, either healthy or unhealthy. What I look like is, at, what I think the definition of healthy and unhealthy is, is anything healthy is giving medicine to, it's, 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 it's enriching life. Unhealthy is taking away from life. And so in being able to be an example, in being able to simply listen and be a witness, in being a compassionate but also very straightforward um, reflection, I ask. And my questions are usually very, very genuine. And it prompts a deeper opportunity for the person to remember what they already know. Take a deep breath when things get really hot and heavy. Really enjoy the good times and the joyful, especially the, sim the simple things and the subtleties of joy. Don't hurt self. What that means by not hurting self is, is not lying, actually being honest, even if that means not having the biggest following. Yeah, when we're honest with self, we'll automatically be honest with others, which means we won't hurt ourselves. which means we naturally won't hurt others. Yep. It's simple, basic programming and patterning. And that's what I learned from dogs to segue into the other question. I learned how to be able to see patterns like nobody's business. And then it just turned on. Oh, that's the same way I could look at my own patterns. And the dogs gave me a systematic approach to be able to help redirect and um yeah completely switch around the neural pathways for the current operating system and now from a point of view of just forgetting it this is what you do now no 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 we get to look back at all of it we get to integrate all of it and if i'm really consistent with new patterns and i'm really repetitive with those new patterns and i set it up in a way where it makes it easy for me to also get distractions, right? Those hard times in life, those things that we think sometimes like, oh, it's happening again. No, oh, it's, it's always so hard. No, that's, that's what people call it. God. People call it spirit. People call it their ancestors, their higher self, God, goddess, whatever they want to call it, Allah. That one is setting it up perfectly for us to be able to learn from those distractions in life to see the humor in it and how we think it's going to change, but we're not doing the necessary things to learn lessons for it to change. So spirit just keeps on giving it to us in all the flavors. Yep. <laughs>
And so I correlated all back to dog training because dog training actually gave me the purest understanding. And I hope this really makes sense to the people that are on here and to you, brother. It gave me the clearest understanding that the dog, just because the dog attacked somebody or just because the dog peed in the house or just because the dog ran away or just because the dog did this or did that, it didn't mean it was a bad dog. And it didn't mean the dog should be euthanized and locked up and put away forever. It meant that it was a confused little puppy. And the patterning happened at a confused puppy. So I got to have an understanding in myself. I wasn't a bad person. Those people out there, everyone out there has done something that has, has taken from life. And so instead of beating up on self, because right, that's where the first stage is. If people are beating up on others, it's because they beat up on themselves even more. And I got to understand where all the programs were happening inside of myself that I felt bad for what I was doing and internalizing it instead of just saying, oh, you were just a confused little puppy. But your programming was force induced. And so that's when I was able to see other people as little puppies. And that was what gave me the opportunity to have compassion in my heart for them. Because not one dog out of thousands of dogs and keep in mind, if I've trained thousands of dogs, I've trained thousands of people. Yep. That's where all of my schooling came in. It had nothing to do with being spiritual. It had nothing to do with understanding different dimensions and different uh, points of consciousness. And no, no, not in the slightest. It simply had to do with seeing a dog, not as a bad dog, seeing it as a confused little puppy. And if I could do that, then I could do that with the man who's in front of me this close, essentially spitting on me, trying to fight me or trying to do something that I in past life would have been very fast to stop immediately and give the same amount, if not more energy back. Yeah. But I could see them as a confused little puppy. And if I could see him as a confused puppy, then what they really are looking for is to be seen. Yeah. They're looking to be heard. Most of the time, they're not even looking for validation. It's just, do you care enough about me to not leave me? If I mess up, will you still care? Mm. Or will I be completely outed from this community, which goes back into all the other storylines of things that have happened in all of our lineages? But it's actually what connects us. We're just a bunch of little confused puppies until we can see the patterns and until we're able to see those patterns it'll be very hard to actually be able to catch the lesson before the lesson catches us i'm going to repeat that if it's hard to see the lessons it'll also be hard to catch the lesson before the lesson catches you so i learned to take this life as a genuine opportunity to see every single thing that happens around me as a potent reminder that I'm here to learn. I'm not here to know anything. I'm here to learn and be willing to feel it all and communicate openly and honestly, if I feel it can help. Um, so, so that's beautiful. Uh, that is absolutely, yeah, uh, of all the, you know, as you said at, at the start, you know, I've had an opportunity to to interview a, a lot of men. Um, and, and I think just the summary that you put in there are just about 
um, just simplifying it down of seeing you know, uh, um, all people in lives as just being confused, lost little puppies that just want to know that effectively the love for them is unconditional. It's that, you know, um, it's not, uh, I'll love you only if you do this or only if you behave or only if you act this way. And if you don't act this way, then, you know, I'm actually not going to love you anymore. I'm going to condemn you or hate on you. Uh, if we see all creatures that, you know, doesn't matter which creature you want to talk to. And, and as humans, we are just uh, another creature on this earth in a different uh, body form to, you know, deer, dog, cats, you know, run through it. And it, it is such a, a beautiful um, simplistic yet complex uh, way of saying it, but it just draws compassion. Um, it draws compassion. I, I think, you know, a question that pops to mind is when we see someone who has done something or, you know, we, we actually react to it because we're like, how could they do that? You know, a question to ask is, I wonder what happened to them in their life that has resulted in them in being like this. Because if we ask that question first, it's 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 exactly the same question. You know, at what point do they become a confused, lost little puppy? Yeah. And what can we do to help them not be in that situation and know that they can be loved? So yeah, I think that's uh, thanks, man. Um, and I love the I love the passion of which that 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 drew out of you. I, I can see, you know, that was uh, just there was immense passion in there because I could see when I asked. Can you give some practical example? Like that was it there. Like you just exactly how you talk to it, because I could see that's how you do everything on a daily basis. Um and with those dogs, with those dogs, it's this keep like truly thousands and thousands of dogs. Every single one of them was an opportunity for me to give back. And the feeling that I felt in being programmed, the feeling that I felt in nobody really coming to my rescue. And the feeling and felt of being locked away and thrown away and the feeling of being put into cages and the feeling of having my name stripped and being made a number and the feeling of all of those traumas that have happened in my life. I put it all into the dogs and gave them all of my presence to make sure that they knew I was not going to give up on them. But that also was from shadow. It was being done from my heart, but the, I was feeding off of the hurt and that's why I gave so much. And this is also what people do. People feed off their traumas in life so they don't actually have to go through it. So they become the number one in their company. They become the number one earner. They become the best mother and father because they're not going to end up like mom and dad. They're not going to go along the same this, that they're going, they're not going to be just the rape victim or the molested child. They're going to be the best. The thing is though, is that, if that's the driving factor, if the trauma is the driving factor and we actually want to evolve, that eventually gets to switch because we're eating and consuming dead flesh, wounded flesh. And that eventually will come out of alignment. And sometimes that looks as burnout. Sometimes that looks as breaking the laws. Sometimes that looks as not being there for your family. Sometimes that looks as being irritable and not having enough time for the ones that you care about. It shows up in all different ways. You know, I wanted to make sure that some of the things that happened in my life, that that was just washed away and everyone would just see the 
very successful one with a beautiful wife and the beautiful family and the beautiful homes and the beautiful career and the one I did it all myself and you know all of it but man that's still from ego yes that's still from ego and until that changed it only changed when I was willing to feel it all and say you know what I forgive myself because if I could forgive self, I could forgive everybody. And forgiveness, it's to give. It's forgiving. It's not to receive. But you naturally do receive when you truly, purely give. And so I say that to just to close off the dog training and why that was so important. But also how it was just feeding off of my own trauma. And when I got to switch that and when I no longer needed that, I no longer had the drive to dog train. Okay. So, so let, let's talk into that point. So, so from that aspect, it, um, it's almost like there's a view about balancing the book. So if I've been bad over here, but then I do all this good over there, that somewhat that's just going to, life's going to balance out and I'm just going to be seen as a good person. But the reality is if I haven't actually still dealt with the bad things and acknowledged those and, and understood those, I can do as much good as I like. But ultimately the books, if you like, aren't going to be balanced because this this aspect of me is going to continually just to show up and to show up and to show up, as you said, because you never have actually, you might have um, in, in the world of academics, you might have theoretically looked at the lesson but you haven't actually embodied or deeply actually un- experienced the lesson, understood what that lesson was meant to be. And until, until you go through that and allow that to actually take place and, and allow that if you're angry with something in your past, then, then allow yourself to experience that anger. Don't just say, well, I'll swap it out for love or swap it out for peace or swap it out for calm. Go back. And actually do whatever activity you need to do. Do a primal scream. Do what you have to do. Go and seek forgiveness for others. But but more importantly, seek forgiveness for yourself for what you've actually done so that you, you can do that. Otherwise, yeah, it you know, you can train as many dogs as you would like, but you're still going to be chasing your own tail if you want to use a dog terminology. That's right. That is yeah. correct, man. That, 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 Thank you. That that that's beautiful. I, I like that. Um, I, I'm also very intrigued. So so can I ask a, a question? Where, where are you at? So part of this whole forgiveness is where are you at with your father? So you know. So obviously you know you've talked a bit about the driving was with your dad and, and everything else. So you know, um, is there is there a piece now with, with, with that about you know where you're at and what that looks like, or you know if that's okay to ask that question. Yeah, well, my father passed away nine years ago. Okay. And um, we had, yeah, it was at a, it was at a real crossroads because in my family, being the man of the family is very important. And you do so with honor. And it came to a point where my father was habitually lying to everyone in my family and stealing from my family. And it was my, because at that point I just had a child and it was my, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. 
but I felt it was only proper for me to step into the man role of my family. Um, and for my father to, yeah, to not have that title and to not completely cripple our family. And so I went to my grandparents and um, had a meeting with our family and he, he, he got physically, um, he tried to get physically abusive with me. And so it turned into a very hard time at the end of his life. And once he passed away, it created more of a want and more of an opportunity to connect to him. Because while he was alive, he wasn't around very much to connect to. But when his, when his breath was no longer, it gave more opportunity for me to talk to him and for me to try to see everything from his perspective. Instead of, you did this, how could you? So on. I went through that, but then I switched it into, okay, I'm going to really give myself an opportunity to play the victim. But then now I'm also going to see the light side of my father. Right, because we have the dense side, what happens in this 3D, and then we have the light side. Like, what was the main intention? Right, what was the, the main reason and purpose that he was here and the ways that got him to tick? And I was able to see him again as just as, as a confused little puppy, and he did his best. He did his best, and this is a this is like some of my childhood memories is literally. The only way that I could be in my dad's garage and spend time with him is if he can beat the, sh he can literally beat me past screaming, past literally saying, stop dad, uh, no dad, no, no, no. And then come out into an animal and that's when he would stop. Right? So these are like, when I look back, I look at all of it and at this point in life, I say, thank you. Yeah, it's made different things in life quite confusing at times because it's so it used to be so easy for that animalistic side to just be able to switch if there was the feeling of being disrespected or helping in a sense that's being taken from i mean that's what i went to prison for for taking the law into my own hands and going after a man that raped one of my soul sisters so it's 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 one of those it's one of those feelings of there's been there's been many years of having some confusion about like, well, was it right? Was it not right? It was just until I had children where I said, no, you know what? It absolutely was not right. But if we're not living in a world of right or wrong anymore, we're living in a line of was it aligned or out of alignment? It just wasn't in alignment for an average boy going through life in a society. However, for me and the way that my life ended up, what I was being programmed for, it worked perfectly. And I also have to be honest about that. This isn't poor me. This is what happened. And this is how I made my life better. No. And there's many people that are like, there, you should feel it a little bit more. Maybe you could feel a little bit more into how you were victimized by your dad and you were so young and so on and so forth. But there is still like the majority in me at this point. And when I say majority, it's 99.9%. .9%. I say, thank you, Pop. Because that must have been hard. He would literally beat me and then cry. Yeah. He would see me going through all that struggle and he would cry and we would go get ice cream afterwards. It hurt him. And then when I went into gangs, I know that hurt his soul. 
it hurt because now he produced something that even though that's exactly what he trained, there was also a human side of him that thought, man, maybe I did too much. At 13 years old, the training stops because that's when my brother and I could take my father. And that was where it was. When you could take me, you're good because he's already trained us how to be manipulative. He already trained us how to work as a team. He already trained us all the rest of the stuff. But again, in the way that I lived, that worked until I dedicated a life of something completely different. Then it didn't work anymore. So I give my father the honor and the respects of doing what must have hurt him so bad in mind, body, and spirit. But he accomplished that goal to keep me alive for something of a greater purpose. He turned me into literally a savage that simply would not die. And for whatever that's worth, I'm darn appreciative. No matter if you beat me or if you did whatever you did, whatever it was, you did the best that you could. And I'm a grown man now. And I'll hold myself accountable for whatever actions that now I do moving forward and knowing how aligned I can be with that medicine that he gave me as a boy. If I can't turn it into a medicine, it's going to remain a poison. And then that poison is going to seep out to everyone that's around me. That's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. Just trying to do the best. So where am I with my father? I feel closer to him than I ever have when he was alive. And I actually feel like I get to embrace and embody the 85% of what a beautiful human being this man was and how great of a role model he was in other ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because remember, like I said, this is a man that everyone wanted to be like or to be with him and around him. So he was a lot of medicine and he was one that could listen to you and make you feel like you were the only one in the world. The thing was, though, is that that was not actually his truth. It was due to manipulation. And that's what I dedicated 10 years ago. I will no longer utilize any of my training for manipulation. I will come from my heart, not my mind. Because I was trained at a very early age. We use our heart for our family. We use our mind for enemies. And if you're an enemy, then that means I'm immediately going to be talking and moving and acting in a specific way that will be in my favor. So it's been a decade that I've solely allowed myself to fully come from the heart. And there's been a lot of ups and downs with that too, but it's always aligned more heart centeredness and actually the opportunity to be able to see the lesson because I'm coming about it from love. I'm coming about it from not needing anything in return, just to give pure love. Uh, thank, thank you for, for uh, being able to close that piece out. And I think there's some really, you know, for, for those listening, uh, that's really important about, you know, at what point of time do you stop, you know, if you like being the victim or stop allowing the other energies from others to 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 work you know to control who you are and to look back on those things and actually take a step back and go i can now control who i am i can i can 
change who I am. I can choose who I am. I can choose, you know, as you've just said, Berhard, I could choose, does that remain poisonous to me and to others or do I actually take that and convert that into to medicine and actually make that something that can actually be healthy for others and actually, you know, be there to actually add value and, and everything else. And, and And I think that's, you know, the world alchemy, you know, is a whole thing about being able to turn lead to gold, but in any circumstance, it's actually been able to take, you know, what could be deemed poison and actually turn it into beautiful medicine. You know, like that's, that's, that's an alchemist, right? So, so we can take these things that have happened in our lives that, you know, we could see as um, where we've been victimized or where something's happened to us. And we can say, okay, what is the lessons come out of this and what can I actually do and turn that into a beautiful message to share for others. Um, you've been extremely generous with your time. Um, and, and I know we spoke about that, you know, we, we could probably continue. There are so many areas that we just have not even tapped in on. Um, but again, um, yeah, I, I think that's got us a really nice position. So, there's a number of messages or key elements throughout this whole podcast that, you know, I, I think as people go back and, you know, listen once or even twice or three times because there are so many beautiful little lessons and nuggets that you've dropped on the way through. But is there something you would just like to leave as a, I suppose, a, a summary or a wrapper message for, you know, the men, the women, uh, you know, the kids um, who actually might jump in and listen to to this episode that, you would see it as a takeaway for them on, on what they could now do in relation to their life and what they could do to, I suppose, take some of that ownership and that accountability and move forward. Thank you. I guess the, the main message for me outward to anybody that may be viewing this is you're not alone. No matter what your story is, and your story is important, you're not alone. And at times we will feel alone navigating this experience and it'll be very sensational. We have an imagination that concocts a lot of different stuff in our mind. But at the depth of it, one thing that I know that will be bringing us all together here is that there has been at least one time in life where you felt that you were alone going through this by yourself. I want you to know you're not because we're both here. And in that, whatever has happened in life, we all have our own story. Those are important. In those stories comes different narratives. So we are all able and capable to become sovereign. We are all able and capable to actually have a sense of freedom, no matter how much of a slave-induced society we may still live in. But you're not alone. And if we can come to an understanding of forgiveness for self, forgiveness for others we naturally will no longer hurt self or hurt others we'll naturally help ourselves to help others and then from there we are changing the fabric of society one step at a time again and again just like dog training we're coming into new patterns new neural pathways and it doesn't matter what skin color you have it doesn't matter what economic background you're in it doesn't matter what may be happening in your life. This is an inside job first. So please know, number one, you're not alone. Number two, you're special. You have a story that should be heard as well. And if we were, if we were all five years old and we were by a little campfire 
having fun and making jokes and playing. And all of a sudden we were all taken. Your life has been whatever it's been. And now we're all coming back together around that fire. Well, my question is, what's happened, my brothers and sisters? How can we utilize the lessons of it to help each other? And how do we want to move forward in life? Do we want things to just stay the same with inside of ourselves? Because if we do, it's going to stay the same outside of self. But if we want true freedom, then we get to unite. The only way we unite is, is if we know we're not alone and if we no longer have enemies. So with that being said, I send much love. I send much respects. Let's turn the lessons into blessings. Let's share them. And let's be able to receive others when they come to you looking for your medicine to be able to listen very deeply, very intimately with all of your heart. Then we change the world. Ah, beautiful. Ah, that's that's absolutely beautiful. Uh, to be honest, just listening to that, then there's emotion coming up for me. <laughs> just in that you're not alone, and, and just knowing, um, you know, that that we're not. It's such a powerful message. We, you know, to hear it actually just generates emotion to to know that you know that we don't have to do this alone, and that there are people out there that we can turn to and that will listen to us. So, um. Thank you, Reverend Behart, for that beautiful um, ending message. Um, I really, I, I'm great, grateful. I'm deeply honoured uh, that you've spent this time with 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 myself and, and with the listeners today, sharing your story and your journey. Um, it is not an easy journey you've been through. Uh, you've been through a lot, and I feel we've only touched on five percent of the surface level of really that journey. Um, and that's been an hour or so of conversations. But um, thank you for you. Thank you for the energy that you're now bringing. Thank you for the healing um, and the medicine you're bringing to the world. Uh, that's I, you know, I, I feel this through this conversation, um, and I'm really looking forward to being able to stay connected with you. You know, many years to come, I truly see you as a, as a brother, um, as someone who is here to heal me, be it remotely or, you know, as we continue to contact. So thanks for that. Um, I wish you all the best for the rest of your evening, given it's a, a Friday evening um, over where you are. Um, and you take care and um, we'll definitely uh, be in touch soon. Thanks. Thank man. you, brother. I appreciate this as well very deeply and send all blessings your way. And again, thank you for creating a space for other brothers to be able to have a voice, to be listened to very intimately and have good questions being asked. So you are doing the exact same thing. Thank you for changing the world one episode at a time. Thanks, my man. It's, it's been beautiful. Sending you much love and we'll definitely chat you soon. Take care. Hey all, so uh, that was um, Reverend Behart. Um, what an amazing, beautiful, beautiful man. I really enjoyed that deep conversation with him. Clearly, he's had uh, many challenges that a lot of us haven't had to go through, but the way he's come out of it, the, the way he approaches life now, um, definitely follow him. Uh, Behart Saputo, you get him on Instagram. He's yeah, just an amazing man with a with a beautiful heart and 
as you can hear, very softly spoken, but also very passionate about what he does. So, folks, that's a, a wrap for episode 51 of the Unearthed Man uh, podcast. Um, as you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, sending you all much love and peace, and have a beautiful day. Norvo. No